You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Merry Christmas Eve, everybody. I'm super excited to be here with the rowdy 11 p.m. service, you guys. Hey. Now, I don't want to brag or anything, but I for sure got every single question right on that quiz earlier. So, in your face. All right. Hey, well, before we, uh, before we get started, I just want to say I'm just super grateful that all you guys decided to come and join us this Christmas Eve service. Guys, um, I, you guys are my family, and I love y'all, so no place I'd rather be than here right now. So let's go ahead and pray together, and we'll jump into this. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to come together as a family, Lord, to, to gather and celebrate you, um, celebrate all the awesome things that you have done for us. Um, and God, we just thank you just for the opportunity to spend time together as a church family. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said? Yeah. Oh, come on. Everybody, everybody said? Yeah. All right. If you're excited to be here tonight, make some noise. Come on. Yeah. There we go. Hey, read with me in scripture real quick. Read with me here. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're new, if you are a spiritual investigator, this, this might be kind of weird, this next part we're going to talk about. Because, see, Mary had an encounter with an angel named Gabriel. And, and the angel told her, hey, you're going to be, uh, one, the Lord has found favor on you. But also, you're going to conceive a son. And you're going to name that son Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. And Mary was kind of confused by this. Um, because if there's one thing that Mary does know, it's how the baby-making process goes about. And she had not participated in that process, and so she was kind of confused, so she asked how, right? And so uh, the angel tells her exactly how it's going to happen, and she says, you know, despite anything she may be feeling, any worry she may be feeling, uh, she says, all right, I'm in, let's do this. Uh, But then came the awkward part. Um, And she had to go and tell her soon-to-be husband, Joseph, that she was pregnant um, by God. And so, like, don't freak out, Joseph, but, like, this is the situation. I'm pregnant by God. It's not what it looks like, I promise, right? And then Joseph then has to believe her. And so we have this awkward conversation, and we'll see how Joseph reacts next in in verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. This is how Joseph handled the news. See, Joseph was in a spot. He's a young man. He's looking forward to marrying, uh, to marrying Mary. You know, he's probably thinking, man, she's going to be such a great wife. She loves God. She's pretty good looking. Like, I'm really excited about this. Um, I already put all my deposits down. They're non-refundable. Like, this is going down. We're about to have a wedding. And then he gets this bad news that his bride-to-be is now pregnant. And she's saying that it's the Lord's baby. And so, um, so I, you know, of course, she, he's thinking, he, because he's a good man, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to divorce her. But I don't want to embarrass her, so I'm going to do it quietly. And so after he had considered this, verse 20, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name. What's that name? Jesus. Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it, family. Jesus. Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. He goes with it. He goes with it. Not because there was this big gender reveal party. You know, not because he believed and had faith, you know, 100% in his fiance Mary, because obviously he didn't since he planned to divorce her. But because God spoke to him. God came and he spoke and said, Joseph, I know you're hurt. I know you're confused. I know you're frustrated. You might be angry a little bit, um, but I want to tell you this is the truth. The baby that Mary has in her is conceived from the Holy Spirit, and you are going to give him the name Jesus, and he is going to save his people from their sins. You can hold on to that word. It's true. And so as we look at Christmas together as a family, I want to go ahead and ask you guys a question. You know, through what eyes are you looking at Christmas through? Because we have a young Mary and a young Joseph who have the plans to get married and to have a very successful life together. But then God said, hey, I have a different calling for your life. I have a different plan. And chances are, because you know what? Nowhere in my Bible, and I'm pretty sure nowhere in your Bibles, does it tell you how Mary and Joseph were feeling in this moment. It didn't say if they were feeling you know, excited or worried or scared. But I imagine that coming with all this news and the change of the plans that they had for their life, I imagine they were pretty frustrated and a little nervous as well. And so, you know, you know now they're, they both agree, okay, we're going to go through with this. And then a census is being taken where they live in Nazareth. And, and so it, it is required now for Joseph to go back to the town of his family bloodline to get um, him and his uh, wife Mary to be registered. And so they travel to Bethlehem, very close to Mary's due date. And um, we, we see there that Mary now is about to have this baby and they're having trouble finding a place to stay, which where we find our story in a dirty, stinky old manger, most likely a cave. And Mary has to give birth to the king of the world, in the lowest of circumstances. And so if you're looking at this Christmas story and through the eyes similar to Mary and Joseph of frustration because your life isn't going as planned, then I'm going to go ahead and spoil the end for you. There's hope in the birth of Jesus, which is why we celebrate that tonight. And so I want to encourage you, if you walk in here today and you feel like you have zero hope and that you are looking at this Christmas day with just frustration because your life isn't going to plan. I want to encourage you. There's hope in the baby that we celebrate today. And so though Mary and Joseph are very important to this story, there are uh, many other perspectives and eyes that look at the story as well. So back while all this is going on in Bethlehem, far east from there, a star 
starts to rise in the sky. And so Far East, these men that we would call wise men, that we've been calling wise men for our entire lives, uh, are, they're actually called magi. Back then they were called magi. Uh, they see this star rising. And you see, the magi were actually priests for a pagan god. And what they would do is they would actually set up sacrifices, they would study uh, the astronomy, and then not only that, they would actually serve as advisors for royalty. So like a king or queen would call them and say, come in, uh, we need help. Can you tell us what to do here going forward? Go ahead and make your sacrifice, look at the stars, and tell me what the right direction is for us to go. And that's what these magi would do. So, of course, when they see this star rise to their west, uh, they're, they're very interested. Because it's, first off, it's not a star that they've ever seen before. It's, it's moving, and, and, and the way it's just behaving is something like they've never seen. But not only that, about 200 years before that, Alexander the Great had been born, a great king there in that area. And there was an interesting, kind of strange uh, astrological occurrence that night, too. Far different than what was happening when Jesus was born, but definitely something. So they're like, okay, there's a new king. And it's over there in Bethlehem, in that area. So that means it's a Jewish king. That means there's going to be a new king of the Jews. Let's show up and honor this king. And maybe when he gets older, he's going to remember us and, you know, slide us a little bit of extra money here and there and a little bit of extra work, you know? So what happens is they, they make their way. They all pack up and they start heading to Bethlehem and they get there and they start asking around. They start looking to go into every single person that they can and you see that in Matthew 2, uh, 2, 6 where they start asking the questions. Where is the new king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. So they're asking and asking and asking and it actually catches the attention of the king there during that period, King Herod. So for those of you that were here yesterday and heard Doug talk about King Herod, it's the same dude. Bad guy, super jealous of everyone, terrible, terrible dude is King Herod. So King Herod hears about these guys asking about the new king of the Jews and he's worried. He doesn't know if the, the Jews are going to uprise and actually try and knock down his kingdom and take him out of power or, or what. So he needs to find out where this king is at. So he invites the Magi in to his large, incredible palace, has a conversation with them, and then ends their time together with one request. And you see that in Matthew 2.8. There he says, when you find him being the king, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And so I imagine that as soon as they they walked out. The Magi had no idea. They thought, oh man, this guy's kind of cool. Like, you know, he wants to worship the king that we're going to go and talk to. We're going to go see and honor. And, and, and uh, he just, he kind of wants to jump on board with it. But what they didn't know is that he really wanted this new king, this King Jesus, he wanted him dead so he would never rise to power. So I imagine after the, the Magi leave the room, that Herod walks out to his incredible balcony and looks over the Red Sea and everything and then just lets out an incredible maniacal laugh that probably sounded a lot like this. I'm just guessing. I don't know. It could sound like that. <laughs> so the Magi leave Herod's 
castle, leave his compound, his mansion. They walk out, and immediately it says that they see that same star again rising in the sky. And it's incredible because at this point, as I'm reading through it, I'm not sure if this is really a star. It might be something else totally different. And let's go to the scripture here, and you'll see that it's a very different kind of star. It says the star that they had seen in the past guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Now, I don't know about you guys. I've seen a handful of stars in my day. And a star has never behaved in that same way that, that it has, like, it moves around and, like, guides me and whatever and then stops over the place that I need to go. That's never happened for me. And so it, it, it's kind of interesting when you start breaking that down. Not only that, I've never, I, you know, I like stars as much as the next guy, but I've never been like, oh, check out that star. This is the coolest thing ever, you know, like, getting all excited about that. So what I'm thinking is that it's probably the way it's behaving, it looks a lot like how God was leading uh, the Israelites out of the wilderness after they had left Egypt. It talks about at night, there would be a great pillar of fire that would lead them along the way. And it was actually God showing them the right way to go to the land that he had promised them, the land of milk and honey, the land of blessing. So I think this is almost the exact same thing. And like I said, not only that, these dudes are going crazy. They are filled with joy for this cloud or for seeing this star. I imagine they looked a lot like this while they were checking out the, the star. They're very excited, filled with joy. That's actually exactly how I prepared for this sermon all day, just working out my core. Um, so... So yeah, so my guess is that it was a manifestation of God that was leading them to go and see Jesus. So here come the Magi. They're full of joy. They're dancing around. They're all excited. And then they walk into this house, this place that Jesus is at, and Mary is holding them. And they lay eyes on Mary and Jesus for the very first time. For the very first time, they see the Christmas story through their own eyes. And in Matthew 2.11, you see exactly what they did when they saw that. They fell to the ground and worshiped him. That's the first thing they do. They walk in, they see them, and they fall to the ground and worship him. So then these magi get up and they hand over some gifts. They give them frankincense and myrrh and gold. That's what they hand, hand these things over to Jesus. Now, when they do that, those are some pretty good gifts, those are some pretty amazing gifts. But the way I read it, the way I interpret this, and the way I, I think it happened is that in those moments, the greatest gift that they gave that night wasn't the frankincense, it wasn't the myrrh, it wasn't even the gold. The greatest gift that they gave in that moment was themselves as they worshiped. I think that in that moment, they changed and they left their old life behind. I think they said, no more pagan gods, no more uh, walking and, and, and studying the stars and leading my life by that, but instead they saw God in front of them, and they changed everything. They gave their lives over to Jesus in that moment, and here's why I think that. 
You see it here in Matthew 2, 12. It says, when it was time to leave Jesus, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So here's what makes me think that. On the way in, there's this star, right? That's this God is up there leading them to Jesus. And eventually they get there. And then after they worship, they go to bed that night. And God is no longer on the outside speaking to them and leading them. But he's on the inside. Speaking directly to them. Leading them in a dream. And so I feel like right there, they're converted. (laughs) And what's incredible to me and what gets me so excited about this story is why they're there. Because what it's showing to us is that Jesus didn't come for just like the good, nice, awesome people, right? These magi could not have been any further from him. Physically, they traveled the furthest to go and see the baby Jesus in in recorded uh, biblical history. But not only that, they come the furthest spiritually, right? They are pagan priests, Not only are they worshiping another God, but they're helping other people get to that other God. They couldn't have been any farther from Jesus. But there they were, as soon as they saw his glory, as soon as they understood how much he was going to change the world, they fell down on their knees and they worshiped him and they gave their life away. In that moment, they understood that Jesus wasn't like this spiritual Santa Claus, right? He's not like, oh, you're, you're on the nice list, so you get this blessing. Oh, you're on the naughty list, you get coal. That's not Jesus at all. He came for everyone. He came for people on the naughty list, on the nice list, and people who didn't make any of the list altogether. That's who he came for, and that's what we're seeing right here in this story. And for some of you that are here tonight, you might be like the Magi. You just kind of showed up for one reason or another, maybe like your mom or your grandma dragged you over here, uh, or maybe like your friend or, you know, spouse, whatever it is, they just dragged you over here, or maybe you were like, you just needed some time in between round two of tamales tonight. (laughs) But no matter what, you're here, and our hope is that while you're here, you will be able to see the Christmas story through your own eyes for the very first time. Good to see you guys this evening. I'm Doug. Uh, I'm the pastor here. And uh, you're just lucky that I stayed awake for a late service uh, this week. (laughs) Right on. Good to see you guys. So let's take a look at another facet of the gem that is the Christmas story. And we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2. And we see in that text, and they were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel 
said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And so uh, would you guys join me in thanking Humby and Robbie for showing us Christmas through the eyes of Mary and Joseph and through the Magi. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? And so it's my task tonight uh, to show you Christmas through the eyes of the shepherds, and I'm going to need some of your help in order to do that. Uh, so those of you that are in high school or middle school, would you please do me a favor and just stand up real quick. High school and middle school students, they're just getting started tonight, right on. Uh, so would you guys join me in showing some love to our students tonight who are here? And you guys go ahead and stay standing for me uh, just for a minute, and I'll show you why you're standing up here in just a minute. But uh, recently, my cat Piper, um, I brought a video of her tonight. I want to show it to you because uh, my cat Piper, this is what happens when your cat loves the Lord. Uh, she rubs on your nativity scene like uh, my cat's doing right there. She, this is a cat that, that knows the Lord. She loves Jesus. So anyways, uh, she meows in tongues. I mean, this is, this is uh, my cat Piper. But anyways, uh, as I saw her doing this, what it made me think about was a typical manger scene. And in a typical manger scene, you know, the little manger that your grandma has up on her fireplace or whatever, and it shows a shepherd there, right? Uh, well, the typical shepherd, I'll, I'll bring a picture, is an older dude like me with a beard. Now, I have nothing against older dudes like me with beards. Older, any older dudes out there with beards? Right on? Yeah. Uh, some of you young people are standing up. You're like, I hope I can grow one someday. But it's, it's coming young men for you. Uh, but here's the thing about the Bedouin culture back in the days of the Bible and up until today is that the shepherds were children and teenagers in the Bedouin culture. In fact, um, I brought a picture of a modern day shepherd from the Middle East. How old does this young lady look? She looks to be maybe in high school or so. And that's been the tradition for thousands of years amongst the Bedouin shepherds uh, in the Middle East. They learn to take care of the sheep when they're little children, and they continue to do so as they grow to be teenagers. And I think that's significant because Jesus said that if you don't accept the kingdom of God like a little child, then you'll never enter it. And so I'd like to ask our children to stand up as well. If you're in elementary school or younger and your mom and dad let you come to church late at night, teenagers, you stay standing and let the uh, younger ones go ahead and stand up as well. Could we give it up for our children tonight? Right on. We're so glad that you guys are here and that you guys are a part. And stay standing, uh, children, because I'm going to have you do something here in just a minute. But um, children are significant in the kingdom of God. Jesus says the kingdom is made up of such as these. And this is significant because if you want to see Christmas through the eyes of the shepherds, you'd have to look through the eyes of the young people that are standing up. You have to consider things through their eyes. And I know a lot of adults like to gripe about kids and their technology habits, you know, and uh, their participation trophies and all that. Uh, but you know, <laughs> the kingdom of God is made up of young people like you who are standing all over this room. And so you're significant and important. And I want to show you something. Um, what is this, kids? 
It's my wallet, right? You love dad's wallet like my teenage kids do, don't they? I'm a pastor, so there's not very much in here. But tonight, this wallet is going to represent my sin. Because there have been a lot of things that I spent money on that I probably shouldn't have that was sin. And I've done a lot of things that I'm embarrassed about that's sinful. And so if this wallet represents my sin, then uh, this hand that I'm holding the microphone with represents God. This other hand represents me, see? And so this is me. And if you take the wallet and put it here, and I'm here, and God's over here, what separates me from God? My sin. And Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a life of miracles, and died on the cross for your sin and for mine. And so what he did when he died on the cross, it's like he took your sin and carried upon himself so that you and I can be connected with God as God intended us to be from the very start. And so adults, if you want to have a Merry Christmas, you have to look into the eyes of these young ones. So young ones, would you use the power of your gaze and look around and adults, make sure you lock eyes with at least one or two young people who are standing up around you. And you will see the childlike gaze that God intends for you to receive the gospel because you might be a spiritual investigator who wandered in here just like Humby was talking about a minute ago. And you know, a lot of us think, well, this uh, Jesus stuff is just a child's fairy tale, but it's not. The gospel is actually based on history, archaeology, and evidence. But even when we have evidence, a lot of us, as we age, we tend to get cynical and not even accept the evidence that's right in front of our faces. And as you've looked into the eyes of these kids, you see belief, people of faith, of the kingdom of God. And so would you adults stand up with us as well, kids of all ages? And let's bow before the Lord in prayer. And as we bow before the Lord, perhaps there's someone here today, tonight, who would like to give Jesus an awesome Christmas present and giving him yourself and choosing to believe tonight so that you can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to ask all of us to pray this prayer out loud together to encourage those who are praying it for the very first time in their lives. Just say this, God, I know I've sinned. But right now, the best I know how, I choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. Jesus, I welcome you into my life. Thank you for coming in. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.